Thanks for listening to Hallelujah, I Have Breakthrough, hosted by Kiara Bryant. Listen every Wednesday and Sunday as Kiara talks about walking in victory, breakthrough, and overcoming by the Word of God. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. So glad to be talking to you guys. How are you doing? If you want to reach out to me and let me know how you're doing, that would be great. I would love that. I would love to hear from you guys. I hope you guys are having an amazing week so far. Today is Sunday, so it is the first day of the week. This is actually coming out on Sunday. Today, right now, as of when I'm recording, is not Sunday, but when you're listening to this, maybe you're not listening on Sunday. I hope you went to church. If you're not listening to this on Sunday, happy whatever day it is to you, but this episode is coming out on Sunday, therefore, happy Sunday. Today, we are going to be talking about silencing the voice of the enemy, and I kind of had like one idea of where I wanted to to go in this podcast, and I mean, I'm still going to talk about that, but Lately, I have been talking about the importance of the word. The word is so important. It's what we live by. We live by the word. Just talking about the importance of the word, but also silencing the voice of the enemy. So whether you're a new Christian or not a Christian at all, or a seasoned Christian, everybody can learn something from this podcast. And since I'm going to be talking about the importance of the word, if you guys haven't been doing it, I highly encourage you to, if, unless you're at work or you're in the car driving, um, but if you're at home and you're just listening to this, or if you're somewhere where, you know, you're not really doing anything, nothing really needs your focus, and you can pull out your Bible, just think of this as like a Bible study time. Think of this as like, I'm studying the word, I'm getting deeper, going deeper in the word. So, and you feel free to pause this. If if the Lord illuminates something, illuminates a scripture to you, feel free to pause this and, and go dive deep in the word of God. But I want you guys to pull out your Bibles if you're able to and turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 14. I'm going to be reading 14 verses out of that chapter, or sorry, Luke chapter four, and I'm going to be reading verses one through 14. Okay, Luke chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for forty days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship only the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up in their hands so you, will not, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. 
Jesus responded, The scriptures say, You must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left until the next opportunity came. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. So Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. He was fasting 40 days, 40 nights, didn't eat, didn't drink, nothing. And the enemy came and he tempted him with things. He tempted him three times. And each time the enemy went to to Jesus, Jesus said, it is written. The scriptures say this, it is written here in the word. And I just want to put some emphasis on this verse right here. Um, verse, Verse 14, it says, then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And in another, in another gospel, I'm not sure which one it is. It might be Mark or John. In another gospel, angels come and minister to Jesus after this time of fasting. They feed him, come to minister to him after this time that he's done fasting. But it says that Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. He had already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He, he had the Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove and then was led by the Holy Spirit to go into the, into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. The reason was so he could be tempted like the rest of us could, so he could overcome temptation, so he could go then go to the cross and die for us because he hadn't sinned. So anyway, Jesus didn't go to Galilee. He didn't go come out of the wilderness malnourished or anything like that it said full of the holy ghost power he was filled with the power of the holy ghost he had fasted and resisted the devil the bible says submit to god resist the devil and he will flee from you and that's exactly what jesus did he submitted to god he submitted to his word he submitted to his word. You know, I think I'm going to do Wednesday word on that because some people don't really like the word submission, but Jesus submitted to the word of God. He resisted the devil. And what did the devil do? He fleed from him. And because of that, because Jesus did that, he was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. So if you want to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, you need to submit yourself to God, submit yourself to the word, and you need to resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then you'll go from being somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you'll be a person who is filled with the power. Praise the Lord. Anyway, that's not what I was talking about today. So you silence the voice of the enemy with the word of God. Three times the enemy came to Jesus. And three times each time Jesus said, it is written and the enemy left. He silenced the voice of the enemy using the word of God. I'm not going to listen to your temptation. I'm not going to listen to your lies because it is written here in the word of God. Whatever, put the, put the Bible verse in for whatever blank fits in your life for whatever you need in your life right now. And honestly, I could leave it here. I could leave it right here. Like I could have just told you like, Hey, if you want to silence the voice of the enemy, go to Luke chapter four, read verses one through 14 and then you will know then you will know how to silence the voice of the enemy because it's honestly that simple you open the word you know the word you believe the word and you quote the word that's it 
That's how you silence the voice of the enemy. It's that easy. But there's always a deeper level to go in, to go into. So Jesus is the word. John 1, 1 tells us that Jesus is the word made flesh. So obviously he knew the word because he didn't tell Satan. He didn't tell the enemy. Oh, hang on, hang on. Let me search the scrolls. Let me search through the scrolls. He didn't say, let me, let me look up that Bible verse. Let me Google this Bible verse. He didn't say, let me see what my Bible has to say about that. He said, nope, it is written. He knew the word off of the top of his head, obviously because he is the word. It is important to read and know the word of God. And some people might say, well, that was Jesus and he was perfect and he he's God. Of course he knows the word. And my question to you is, do you know what the word Christian means? Because Christian isn't somebody who believes in God. Christian isn't somebody who believes in Jesus. The meaning of Christian is little Christ. The meaning of Christ is anointed one. So by you saying that you are a Christian, you are calling yourself a little anointed one. We as Christians are little anointed ones. You should look and sound and act just like Jesus because Jesus was the anointed one. Little anointed ones. And if you're an an anointed person, you should know the word. You should have a value of the word of God. John 15, 1 through 8 says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, my what? My words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings glory to my father. He says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. There's so much into this, but I I, like for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into it. But Jesus is in you and you are in him. You are one with him. You became one with Jesus when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and accepted the Holy Spirit to come live in your body, you became one with the Lord Jesus Christ. John fourteen twelve says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus is with the Father. And who did he leave here on earth to empower his body He left his Holy Spirit to come and inhabit us so that we could do greater works than even Jesus was able to do. You have the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, the same spirit that that gave him the power to raise people from the dead, to cast out demons and to heal the sick. 
You have that same spirit living in your body. We have his spirit, not a lesser spirit. We are little copy and pasted Jesuses, but we have the same anointing. And let me ask you a question. Well, was the Bible written and given to Jesus or was the Bible written and given for us? Who is the Bible for? Because God's already perfect. What's the purpose of the word? Because the Bible says that it, that his word is sharper than any two-edged sword and it cuts between soul and spirit. Did Jesus need cutting between the soul and the spirit? No, he was already perfect. So the Bible was written for us and given to us. Jesus doesn't need the Bible. He's already in heaven. We need it. The Bible is for us. And there is an importance of the word in the believer's life. This word is what we live by. If you've ever gone any significant amount of time without reading the word, you would start, you would know that you start walking and living in your flesh. You need the word of God. If you're praying without the word, you don't know how to pray. You have to pray according to the word. Because it's the truth. God exalts his word above his own name. There is a heavy importance on the word of God. And if God even exalts his word above his name, how much more should you exalt the word above any situation in your life? Joshua chapter one, verse eight says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Study this book of instruction for how long? Continually. And yes, at that time, the Lord was speaking to Joshua about the, the, the books of the law because they, they lived under the law. Joshua and the Israelites at that time, they lived under the law. But it, the same thing still applies to us today. Because if you go any, like I said just now, if you go any significant amount of time without being in your word, without reading the word, you are going to walk in your flesh. You're going to do the things that the flesh wants to do. You're not going to do the things that the spirit wants to do because your mind is not being renewed. Your mind is not being transformed. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. So you have to renew your mind. And how do you renew your mind? You renew your mind with the word of God. Psalms chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 say, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9, it says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. That's how important the word of God is. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. 
And I just referenced that a few minutes ago, but Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two edged sword cutting between soul and spirit between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And can I just say something really quickly? Can I just get this out throw this throw this like random thought out there? Some people may be thinking that they're battling with the enemy. Some people may be thinking that I keep going and and I'm fighting, warring with the devil. I can't get in control of this thing. Um, the, the enemy is attacking me relentlessly. Could I just say, if there is a repeated cycle that you see happening in your life, can I suggest that it's not the enemy that you're contending with? May I suggest that it's your flesh? Or that you're the one who is falling in temptation. You're the one who's opening these doors and allowing the enemy to have access to part areas of your life that shouldn't be allowed to have access to. Because if you see a continual cycle in your life, let me tell you, it's not the enemy. And I'm not quick to say this because I don't know everybody's circumstances. I don't know everybody's situation. But what I do know is at some point, you're going to have to take responsibility for what's going on in your life because the devil is under our feet and he doesn't have free reign access or free range access to any uh, part of your life. He only has access to what you give him access to. He can only come through doors that you yourself have opened. And by saying open doors... I don't necessarily mean sin, but if you're going through a continual cycle of sickness, a continual cycle of financial lack, if you're going through a continuous cycle of, I don't know, just anywhere that you're being attacked by the enemy in your life, whatever cycle that you are noticing that it keeps coming up, I would question whether or not you have an open door that the enemy has come in through. I would question whether or not you are doing all the things that are possible for you to do in order to shut that door in your life. Because you as a born again believer should not continually be getting sick. There should come a point in your walk. If you know the truth, there should come a point in your walk where you say, nope, I am not dealing with this anymore. This is not my sickness. I am not going to deal with this anymore. And It might be because you have an open door of fear, or it might be because you have doubt and unbelief. That's something that the enemy didn't cause. Like, yes, he will, he will plant the seeds of fear and he will plant the seeds of unbelief, but whose choice is it to pick it up? One of my favorite pastors, he, he says, just because Amazon comes and brings a package to your doorstep does not mean you have to sign it, bring it in your house and open it up. So just because the enemy came to your doorstep with that fear and with that lying and with that seed of doubt does not mean you have to pick it up, open it up and believe it and let it sink into your mind and sink into your heart and let that become the truth. You have a choice. And that's what this episode is about. You have a choice. The Bible says, today I have laid before you life and death, blessings and curses. Oh, that you would choose life. Oh, that you would choose the word of God. Because faith and fear are two things that don't mix well together. 
They can't. It's like oil and water. You can't have doubt and faith at the same time. It's not a possibility. One will always kill out the other. Your faith will kill out fear. Your fear will kill out faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you're not reading your word, how do you expect to get out of this cycle? How do you expect to get out of this loop? Because you have the measure of faith, all the faith that God has ever given you, you already have that. The the way that you get more is you read and understand the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the second hearing, understanding the word of God. So you really have to get in the word and purpose it in your heart. I'm going to get in this word and I am going to understand it. And then my faith will grow. Then my faith will come alive. My faith will be activated because I'm like fueling this fire. I'm adding fuel to this fire. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you're not reading the word, you're not growing your faith. And then you're allowing other voices to come into your life and speak those things into your life. And people who think naturally, people who are carnal people are going to say carnal things. And those things are going to be stronger. Your flesh and your soul will be stronger than the spirit man. Because your spirit man is not getting fed by the word, but your flesh and your soul are being fed every single day like clockwork. But your spirit is getting fed once a week on Sundays if you're even going to church. There is an importance on the word. It is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts between your soul and your spirit and between joints and marrow. Hallelujah. He says, meditate on my word day and night. And that wasn't just for the Israelites. That is for us today. And I know before I say this, I know that their times were different. I know that they didn't have TV and cell phones and YouTube videos. And but I'm sure that they had other ways of entertaining themselves because the Bible says that there is nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, what has been, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. So the things that we see back in Genesis are still happening today. I don't care if it was 4,000, 6,000, I don't know how many years ago it was, but there is nothing, the Bible says there is nothing new under the sun. So there were ways of entertaining themselves. There were distractions back in those days. So I the what my point is is I don't really read too much about the apostles and the disciples just not doing anything after Jesus had ascended to heaven. I don't read them just hanging out and partying and having a boys night out, girls night out. You know, they spent time together and they had fellowship together. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But I'm talking about when those things are starting to come before the word of God. Every day you should be starting out your day with the word. Every day you should be starting out your day in the presence of God. You should have it purposed in your heart that God comes first. I just talked about this. I think it was last Sunday. But in everything in your life, God comes first. And you might say, oh, Kiara, you're crazy. 
I'm not going to read the word all day. I have things to do. I have a job. I have a life. I'm not going to read the word all day. I'm not going to read the Bible all day. And I don't even do that. I'm not going to tell you to do something that I'm not even doing. But what I do is I start off my day every single morning in the word of God. I start off my day every day praying and speaking in tongues. Because the days that I don't do that, I notice a drastic difference. That day is immediately worse. Then I'll be lazy. Then I won't want to do anything. I, and I'm at the point right now where I'm constantly feeding my spirit. I am constantly feeding my spirit, man. And if I'm not reading the word, then I'm watching a sermon. Romans chapter 12, verse one says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It didn't say this is a way to worship him. He didn't say this is one of the ways you can worship him. He said, truly, this is the way to worship him. There is nothing wrong with wanting to live a life that is a pleasing life in the eyes of God. A living and holy sacrifice that he will find acceptable. The New King James Version is just, I don't know. I love the New King James Version. It says, I beseech you, I plead with you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, because God was merciful and he gave you a gift that you didn't deserve. He gave you a gift that you didn't earn. The gift of eternal life, the gift of his one and only son being slain on the cross, being murdered so that you could have eternal life. And this isn't to make you feel guilty. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's your reasonable service, living a life that is acceptable to God. He says that that is your reasonable service, living a life that is pleasing and holy to, and acceptable to God. A living sacrifice. That's what you are. There's nothing wrong with wanting to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And I don't have the same relationship that you have with God. That's between you and the Lord. Whether or not you're doing things throughout your day, that wouldn't be considered pleasing to the Lord. But I, I talked about it in another Sunday episode, Plans, Motives, and Actions. If you haven't listened to that, listen to it. And then I talked about it in three episodes of the Wednesday Word, Plans, Motives, and Actions. And those things all matter. God knows your motives in everything that you do. Your actions will determine whether or not you believe what you say you believe. Your actions will prove that. Anyway, moving on. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 through 13 says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies other translations say we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but we wrestle against rulers 
and principalities. It says, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Praise the Lord. So what I want to make very clear before I move any further is that we do not fight against the enemy the way that people think that we fight against him. The fight that that people think that we're fighting, some people think that we're fighting against the enemy has already been won. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. The enemy has been placed under our feet. He has no authority over us and there's no way that he will gain authority over us unless you allow him to. But the devil has no authority over the born again believer. He's already lost. Jesus lived, died, and when he died, he went down to hell and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He took them back from Satan, giving him no more power to death, hell, and the grave. And when he rose again, he ascended to heaven after 40 days spending here on the earth. And he gave us the keys to the kingdom. He gave us the keys. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities. And I know it may seem confusing, but we don't fight with him in a way where he could possibly win because Jesus said it is finished. He's already won that victory for us. We already hold that victory. But in the same way, where Jesus in Luke chapter four, verse 13, it says, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So even if you, if you're here on this planet, you're never going to be exempt from the enemy trying to attack you. You're never going to be. He will always try. But Jesus had already, you know, he already proven that he was the son of God. He didn't fall into temptation when the enemy had came to him. When the devil himself had came to him, he didn't fall into temptation. But the devil still waited for another opportunity to attack Jesus. So while you're here on this earth, you will never be exempt from attacks from the enemy. But Jesus had already won against the enemy. He already proved his perfection. And by us having just the Holy Spirit in us, we are sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. Our names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We are known in heaven. If you have put your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but the enemy will still come and try. And then that's when you have to wrestle against the enemy. Then that's when you have to put on your full armor. And I talked about that in another episode, a Wednesday word, the full armor of God. And you use the sword of the spirit. And what is the sword of the spirit? The sword of the spirit is the word of God. So you use the word of God to fight against the devil. You use the word to fight against the enemy. You're not maintaining your victorious standing. There's nothing that the enemy can do to take that victory that Jesus won for you. But if you want to walk in victory, that's a different story. Then you have to put your faith into practice. Then you have to start using the word. Because there are a lot of Christians that walk around. There are a lot of little anointed ones that walk around with no anointing. There are a lot of little anointed ones that walk around and just let the enemy beat their heads in. 
Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 20 says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And now you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. All of heaven knows who you are. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. And as an added bonus of your name being written in heaven, your name being registered in heaven, you have the authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them and nothing will injure you. You are known in heaven and because you are known in heaven, because you are known by the father, you are also known by the enemy. You are a threat to the enemy. The enemy recognizes you as a threat to his kingdom. Luke chapter four, verse 31 says, then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There too, the people were amazed at his teaching for he spoke with authority. Once when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out, shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, Be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Then it came out of him without hurting him further. So Jesus was known by that demon. He said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And again, for for those of you saying, well, that was Jesus. Jesus is God. Let me prove that to you further. Um, Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 17. I hope you're following along. Sorry, I haven't been telling you to flip with me places. I've just been reading scriptures, but feel free. Listen, I want you to see these words for yourself. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to see these words in the Bible yourself. Acts chapter 13 says, A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly throughout all Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. So these people were trying to go around, they were going around, and they were successful, in some, in some, with some spirits, but that time that they tried it, they got their butt handed to them because they were saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches to come out. And what did the demon say to them? It says, the demon said, I know Jesus and I know Paul. So he knew Jesus. Yeah. But he also knew Paul. Paul was a human being. Paul wasn't God. Paul was a man just like you and me, and he has the same Holy Spirit just like you and I do if you're born again. And if you're not born again, then I'll give you an opportunity at the end of this podcast to give your life to Jesus. 
So he knew Jesus and he, the evil spirit knew Jesus and the evil spirit also knew Paul. When you are known in heaven, you are also known in hell. Your name is registered in heaven. That is the place that you're going, but you are now known as a threat to the kingdom of hell as an enemy. You are a threat. So these people were saying in the name of Jesus, who this person that we know, they were telling him to come out. They were trying to get the demons to come out. If you want to live, if you know that the enemy is tormenting you, or if you are living in fear and you're not born again, you're not going to be successful in these things. You have to know the word. And you can't rightly divide the word of truth. You can't completely understand the word without having the Holy Spirit. It may work for you in some ways, but just like in this story, it will not work for you for, for a long period of time. And even if it does, even if it gets you by for your entire life, where are you spending your eternity? Because you can sleep with a Bible next to your bed for your entire life. You can know who Jesus is all the days of your life. But until you make that choice to surrender your life to the Lord, you're not going to spend your eternity with him. And I know that it may seem like far removed because we're not even thinking about eternity. We're not even thinking about death. But there is going to be a day where you're going to die. And on that day where you die, you don't get a second chance. You don't get another chance. When you're dead, you're gone. Unless you're a believer and somebody brings you back from the dead. Or if you're a non-believer and somebody brings you back from the dead. But I'm talking about when, when it's time for you to go, when it's your time, when your time is up. And again, I'm talking to non-believers because believers, we have control over when we leave. I'm going to get into that another day. But when it's your time to go as a non-believer... You don't get a second chance. You're going to stand before the Lord. You're going to have to give an account for your life and you're going to be judged. If you've never put your life in Jesus' hands, if you've never surrendered your life to him, you're going to spend an eternity in hell. And it's not a fun place. It's not a place where you just get to do whatever you want. You are going to be tormented down there. If you thought earth was bad, if you thought living here is bad with all the chaos that's going on in the, in the world right now, it's not going to get any better when you die. I promise you that. Again, speaking only to non-believers because it definitely gets better for us. This is why us as believers have a responsibility to get the word out because God does not want any person to perish. He doesn't want any person to die. He doesn't want any person to go to hell. He wants to save every single, he wants everyone to be born again. He wants everyone to be saved. And unfortunately, that's not a reality. And we know that through the word. There are going to be people who deny him. Even once, once Jesus comes down and and we all leave the earth, when we all get raptured, They're going to know that Jesus is real, but they're still going to deny him. That is not God's will, but that's just what's going to happen because people have free will. God doesn't have acquaintances. He doesn't have grandsons and granddaughters. He only has 
sons and daughters. You cannot be saved because of your mom's relationship with the Lord. You can't be saved because of your grandparents' relationship with the Lord. You can't be saved because your best friend or your aunt or your uncle had a relationship with the Lord. That's not how it works. You don't get into heaven by association. You have to make the choice to put your life in the hands of Jesus. And if you want to do that, you can do that with me right now. Pray this prayer with me out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I have sinned and I repent. I believe in my heart that Jesus lived, died, and rose again just for me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my heart and give me the power to live for you for the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You are born again. You are a born again believer. And you have all of the things that the word says that you have. You have authority over all of the all of the power of the enemy. And you can now silence the voice of the enemy with the word of God. And the word is important. You need to get in the word. Study it. Meditate on his word day and night. And the importance in doing that, the importance of meditating on the word day and night is that when the enemy comes to you and he starts trying to torment you or he starts trying to... to get in in the way of you having a relationship with the Lord, you can quote scriptures the same way that Jesus did. It is written, it is written, it is written. And if you submit to God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. The word is useful in every situation of your life. I cannot even begin to explain to you how much the word has helped me in some of the most natural carnal situations over the past week even. Like this is not just for spiritual stuff. This is not just for your church group and and for your group of believers, your group of friends. Like no, this will help you. The word of God, it will help you in every circumstance that you ever will find yourself in. It'll show you how to be a good parent. It'll show you how to be a good employee. It'll show you how to be a good employer, how to run your business how to communicate with people who don't believe the same thing that you do, how to act in front of the world. It'll show you how to love people if you have a problem loving people. In the most natural ways, like this book, like it's, it's so spiritual and it's so deep because it's written by the Holy Spirit, but it is useful in all the areas of your life. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction and righteousness that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work, every good work. The word of God will equip you for everything that you do in your life. Not just for your ministry, not just for your friend group, for every good work that you do, loving your neighbor, feeding the poor, clothing the naked, 
preaching the gospel to the people who need to hear it. Being a light in a dark world. The word of God is useful in every area of your life. Not just for the churchy areas. Not just for the Christian areas of your life. It is useful in every single area of your life. So I know I didn't really talk a whole lot about silencing the voice of the enemy. And I said at the beginning, this was just going to be, you know, the importance of the word. But you cannot silence the voice of the enemy without seeing the importance of the word of God. The Bible says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. So it'll cut down the attacks of the enemy. It'll silence his voice. And when you are so filled up with the word of God to the point where you just, you hear it in your head all the time and you're so close with the Lord, the enemy can't even penetrate your ears. Or if he does, then it'll be like in one ear and out the other because it's instantly replaced with with the word. It's instantly replaced with the word. It's instantly replaced with the thoughts that God has for you. You will know. He, he says, my sheep, my sheep know my voice. How do you know his voice if you don't read the word? Because these are his words. And if you're not reading the word, you're not hearing from God. You can't know his voice. You can't know him without knowing his word because he is his word. Like I said before, he exalts his word above his own name. You cannot know God without knowing his word. If you want to silence the voice of the enemy, you have to be so filled up with his word. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate on his word. Try to start memorizing Bible verses. And that's just a very practical kind of example. But honestly, what the Lord wants you to do is he wants you to read his word. Exactly what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Committing yourself wholeheartedly to the commands that he's given you. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home or when you're on the road. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on your doorposts, on the doorposts of your house, house and on your gates. Always be consuming the word of God. And that's how you will live a victorious life. That's how you will live a life from victory to victory, from mountaintop to mountaintop, breakthrough to breakthrough, and glory to glory. If you want to live a life of continuous breakthrough, you have to be in the word. God never meant for his people to be dry. He never meant for his people to see one breakthrough every 10 years. You should be living a life of constant breakthrough. That's how the people in the Bible lived. They saw constant breakthrough, constant miracle signs and wonders wherever they went. And why did they see that? Because they decided, I'm going to take the Lord seriously. This isn't just a side area of my life. This is my entire life. This is the thing that I'm building my life on. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 in the Amplified Version says, And we all with unveiled face continually seeing as in a mirror of seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are progressively being transformed into his image 
from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So he will take you from glory to glory. As you are transformed to be like him. And you're transformed being like him, like in um, Romans chapter 12, verse two, by renewing your mind, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And you renew your mind with the word. That's how you you will be more like him. That's how you will live a life that is from glory to glory. Thank you all so much for listening today. And I hope you guys learned something. I hope you guys are walking in victory and walking in breakthrough. And I hope you guys are getting in the word like no other time. I just feel this sense of like urgency and like uh, like just wanting to get in the word. Like something just feels different in a good way. So before you guys go, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person who is listening under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord, that you are blessing them in supernatural and miraculous ways, Lord God. I thank you, Father, that as they continue to take you more seriously, then you will take them more seriously as well. I thank you, Lord, that this isn't just fun and games for them, Lord, that this isn't just a part or an area of their life, but this is their entire life, Lord. And I thank you, Father, as they make that decision, the ways that you will bless them and the ways that you will take them from mountaintop to mountaintop, Lord, that they will never have to see a valley, but they will only see the world through your glory. They will only see the world through mountaintops, Lord, that they will never have a low moment. There's no highs and lows. There's no ups and downs, but only ups and ups in their life, Lord. I thank you, Father, for that, and I speak that over them in Jesus' name, and I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, for giving us your word that helps us to live a life that would glorify you. I just speak a hunger and their innermost being, a hunger for your word and that they would get into your word like no other time. In Jesus name, amen. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you guys and follow the podcast on Instagram. It's at H-I-H-B podcast and subscribe to the podcast that way you get notifications or uplit dates whenever I upload an episode thank you again for listening I love you guys have a great week and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow bye